0: The People's History of Kansas City podcast is supported by the Kemper Museum of Contemporary Art, celebrating 30 years at the block party on Saturday, May 4th. Visitors can enjoy music, food trucks, exhibitions, and artist-led activities. Learn more at KemperArt.org.
1: This is The People's History of Kansas City, a podcast from KCUR Studios. I'm Suzanne Hogan. A lot of places, especially small towns, like to hang their hats on some big claim or accomplishment, like being the home of a famous historical event, a celebrity, an invention, or a roadside attraction. And I'm totally the type of person who will make a stop off the highway to check out obscure claims to fame, like the world's largest pencil roll of toilet paper, and my personal favorite, the world's largest collection of the world's smallest versions of the world's largest things, which is in Lucas, Kansas. Those home-of accolades aren't just about preserving artifacts or history. They can also be a big part of what keeps a place thriving economically. Ed Douglas is the presiding commissioner for Livingston County, Missouri, and a resident of Chillicothe, Missouri, a town about 100 miles northeast of Kansas City and home to about 10,000 people. Ed told me about this statewide tourism meeting where a bunch of experts were giving people from various places in Missouri a minute to talk about their town.
2: People would get up and say, well, we've got a we've got a convention center and we've got, uh, you know, this a ball field. And they were all bored. And OK, OK, and they went to the next one.
1: And then they finally got to Chillicothe, Missouri.
2: We're the home of sliced bread. And they go, say what? And They were real interested. They said, tell us about that. And the interesting thing was that the whole rest of the tourism conference, these experts said to all these people, what's your sliced bread? And the the point is that it's a hook to bring people in and everybody needs kind of a hook.
1: This claim of Chillicothe, Missouri being the home of sliced bread immediately grabbed me. When I first heard it, I thought, well one, is Missouri really the home of sliced bread? And then why does this idea hook me? so great about sliced bread? What does sliced bread represent? And then it's also just kind of this wild reminder that machine sliced bread hasn't just always been around. It's an innovation that's less than 100 years old. But despite that recency, the origin story of sliced bread and the role that Chillicothe played was almost lost to history. It's mind boggling
3: to think that this, that part of history was not well known, or not even, not even known. (laughs)
1: You listen to A People's History of Kansas City for a fresh take on local history. We want to honor these stories, and we take the reporting very seriously. And sometimes we just need to chill. Want to hang? Let's party! Join us at our annual benefit, Radioactive, on June 14th. NPR's All Things Considered host Ari Shapiro will make a special appearance, and boy, it's going to be bumping. you got to be there. Please come support our work. Ticket information is available at kcur.org
3: radioactive.
1: We lived in Raytown, so during the summer, I would go in with our family uh, to the radio station, which I thought was the coolest thing since sliced bread. That's Mike Carter. PHKC fans might remember he's the CEO of Carter Broadcast Group, the nation's oldest black-owned radio company. That phrase, that something is the best, coolest, most amazing, greatest thing since sliced bread, gets used a lot.
2: Everyone knows the saying, the greatest thing since sliced bread.
1: Little Caesar's delivery. That's
2: the best thing
1: since
0: sliced bread. Wagmire, we are on fire here. We are going to be the best thing since
1: sliced bread. It's a saying in particular that Ed Douglas of Chillicothe, Missouri, has spent a lot of time trying to figure out the exact origin of. And as a champion for the town, he's done a lot of his own philosophizing on its deeper meaning.
2: They call me sliced Ed.
1: Bread is a food that has deep historical and spiritual significance across all cultures. It's been a central part of the formation of human societies. Access to bread has caused political and social divisions, started revolutions. Ultimately, bread represents nourishment, satisfying hunger, sharing, connecting. These are all concepts we can kind of identify with. So what could sliced bread mean? Prior to 1928, if you wanted sliced bread, you had to get out a knife and cut it yourself. It wouldn't be a uniform width or shape. Sometimes it gets smashed when you cut it. But this time period, the 1920s, was a culmination of nearly 50 years of rapid industrialization, a time when more and more new manufactured products and innovations were geared towards ease and convenience. To that point, the newspaper ad that first announced sliced bread called it, quote, the greatest forward step in the baking industry since bread was wrapped. A fine loaf sold a better way. Sliced Ed Douglas never really figured out who was the first person to coin the exact term, the greatest thing since sliced bread. But he's done a lot to make sure that the story of sliced bread's creation has been preserved. Because
2: it's a great story of, of perseverance. I think it's just a great American story.
1: But like I mentioned, the story of sliced bread was only recently remembered or celebrated by Ed, Chillicothe, or really even the world.
3: I wish I knew. I I don't know how everybody pretty much forgot about it.
1: It all started in the year 2000, when reporter Catherine Stortz Ripley, who was the editor for the Chillicothe newspaper, the Constitution Tribune, was working on a history project. It was a book that she hoped would encapsulate the making of the region in the town. She tasked herself with going back through the old issues of the local newspapers, starting all the way back in 1860. And
3: so I was going through f- the microfilm um, day by day, page by
1: page, and, and year by year. And it became kind of an obsession for her. In total, she estimates she skimmed over 30,000 editions, scrolling through the headlines, getting a sense of what the county was like over a hundred years ago, how it transformed. The types of things that were being talked about in the news and so on. I spent literally all
3: night at the library at times uh, just going through the microfilm spool by spool. And and uh, if you recall the old newspapers, oftentimes they were, gosh, I don't know, eight columns wide and tiny print.
1: And so she's scrolling and scrolling and scrolling along when she gets to July 6th, 1928. And that's when she found it. On the front page,
3: and it was just a small headline. It was just actually a one-column headline, and it said, "Sliced bread is made here." And so, at the time, I really didn't think a whole lot of it.
1: The original short article said the Chillicothe Baking Company had the distinction of being the first bakers in the world to sell sliced bread to the public using a bread slicing machine invented by Otto Rowwetter. Here's what they wrote: "Quote." The idea of sliced bread may be startling to some people. Certainly, it represents a definite departure from the usual manner of supplying the consumers with baker loaves. As one considers this new service, one cannot help but be won over to a realization of the fact that here indeed is a type of service which is sound, sensible, and in every way a progressive refinement in baker's bread service. Like Catherine did with all the fun things she was discovering, she took the article, made a copy of it, wrote a little blurb about it for the Constitution Tribune. And then eventually she put it in her history book called Dateline, Livingston County, A Look at Local History, published in 2001. Then a couple years later, another newspaper reporter from the Kansas City Star was in Akothi working on a different story altogether. And Catherine was helping him with some research. And while he was waiting in her office, she encouraged him to thumb through her history book. She mentioned the whole sliced bread article that she had found and said something to the effect of, maybe you could investigate that and confirm whether or not Chillicothe was actually the first place to sell commercially sliced bread. Because Catherine herself at this point had some level of doubt. Mostly because prior to finding that article, she had never heard that story before. And she thought that if it was true... Surely that element of history would have been preserved. There were no displays in museums, no website page bragging about it, no mention of sliced bread anywhere in town. If Chillicothe had invented sliced bread, nobody seemed to really care about it. So this other reporter did a little digging, and he interviewed Catherine. It was 2003, and at this point it would have been the 75th anniversary of the original article announcement. And the story was published. The headline, at 75, sliced bread deserves a birthday toast. And that's when things really started to change. The story was picked up by the Associated Press and shared across the world. I was getting calls from from even Australia and Canada
3: and, and major news markets, St. Louis, and they were wanting to know the rest of the story. And unfortunately, all I had was that newspaper article.
1: This is one of those situations where the person in the news business becomes a part of the news story. Was that weird (laughs) for you? That was extremely weird. (laughs) Like Catherine said, she didn't know a whole lot more about the rest of the story, beyond just what the article said. She didn't know the details about the machine, the full backstory of the machine's inventor, Otto Rowetter, and most importantly, she didn't know if the claim was even totally true. But things just started to kind of take a life of their own. The sliced bread buzz was out there, and a month later, Catherine received an interesting letter from a guy named Robert Ludlow. Ludlow was the founder and CEO of Bedford Industries, a packaging company that started out as a manufacturing innovator in twist ties, you know, those things that wrap up a bag of bread. And
3: he was the one that totally unlocked the door for everything.
1: Ludlow had seen the newspaper article about the anniversary of sliced bread and had to reach out because he knew about an important connection, a missing link that could reveal the rest of this story.
3: Richard O. Rowetter, the son of Otto Rowetter, worked for us for over 20 years selling twist tie for bread bags. He and his sister donated one of the first bread slicers to the Smithsonian Institute in Washington, D.C. at their request. And so he went on to say that he had uh, contacted Mr. Rowetter
1: after reading the article. And the letter said, quote, he's 88 years old and living alone. His memory is not the best. However, when it comes to his father and the bread slicer, it is as clear as if it happened yesterday. Then he asked Catherine if she would be interested at all in connecting with Richard Rowetter. And she's like, oh, my God, of course, yes. You know, he cared enough to say, hey, let's let's finish this story out. So she calls up Richard Rowetter and ends up sending him all of her questions about his dad and his bread slicing machine.
3: He had a good sense of humor. He says, I'm 88 years old. I'm no spring chicken. So you might want to (laughs) hurry. and uh you know what i i did i fired off i think i had three pages of questions and uh just within a couple of days he called me back and he said yeah you've got a lot of questions <laughs> and he said i can answer these questions they're all in my father's scrapbook oh wow yeah yeah and uh, talk about goosebumps <laughs> wow and he was living in arkansas i mean can you imagine <laughs> this whole mystery all of a sudden was unfolding here was here was the key this gentleman had all the answers
1: by then it was August 2003 the middle of summer it was hot but Richard decided to fly up for a visit to Chillicothe by way of Kansas City to show Catherine this scrapbook
3: so we we picked him up in a limousine and he was very humbled by that (laughs) Um, but anyway we came back and and of course, on the way back, we were looking through his scrapbook and, and he had absolutely every answer that I had questions to. It was incredible. And it just totally solidified that, yes, Chillicothe is the home of sliced bread.
1: Richard Rowetter passed away in 2007, but Catherine still remembers that visit to Chillicothe. Because that scrapbook filled in all of the gaps about how sliced bread was born. Richard's dad, Otto Rohwetter, was born in Davenport, Iowa in 1880. He became an apprentice at a jewelry store and learned how to make watches and do engraving. He was the type of guy who liked to solve problems, tinker with things. And he had this idea for a bread slicing machine. By 1917, he had pulled it off created this invention. And it was all ready to go into production. But Catherine says things went awry. It was
3: going into production in Monmouth, I want to say Monmouth, Illinois, and there was a fire at the warehouse where they were building this. And so he lost everything, you know, uh, all of his uh, design plans, his, you know, equipment, everything. And so he just kind of gave up, sort of gave up at that time.
1: Otto owned a couple jewelry stores in St. Joseph, Missouri, had a family, a wife and his two kids, Margaret and Richard. But then he got really sick. The
3: doctor said basically that, you know, you, you don't have much time. You better get your affairs in order. And sometime shortly thereafter, that he sold his interest in the jewelry business and um, went back to the bread slicing machine. And. This time, it it went into full production.
1: This is the sound of an early bread slicing machine. Okay, so when you say a bread slicing machine, let's put this into perspective here. This is not just a knife. This is a giant metal box with a row of super sharp blades pulsating up and down side to side operated by a complicated system with cranks and levers. There's a lot going on. Putting this whole system together was no easy task for Otto Wetter, and he was sick. His previous work had gone up in flames, and then he had just been told he didn't have much time to live. So he went all in. He was a very determined individual. Richard told Kathy that his dad had to recreate all the work that had been lost in the fire. He needed to produce a new bread slicing machine, which he did. But then he had to find somebody who would actually want to use it.
3: His father had gone all over the country, could not get it sold. You know, bakers scoffed at the idea. They thought, how can, you know, one, how you how can you cut fresh bread? And two, how how does it stay fresh? You know, without getting, you know,
1: hard. Finally, Otto robutter reconnected with this guy he knew, Frank Bench. Frank was the owner of the Chillicothe baking company. And like Otto, he was an inventor and entrepreneur. Frank and Otto Rowetter had worked together on a bread display rack a few years prior. So Frank agreed to take the plunge and bought Otto's machine. They put an ad in the newspaper on July 6th, 1928. And the next day, sliced bread, cut by Otto Rowetter's bread slicing machine, was made available to the world for the very first time.
3: Oh, and that's one thing I was going to tell you, too, is that Richard was in Chillicothe. He was like eight or nine years old, and he held the first loaf of bread to go through the bread slicing machine. What? Yes. Yes.
1: Whoa, that's cool.
3: Isn't that cool? Yeah.
1: It didn't take long for sliced bread to be a success. According to Catherine, within two weeks, the amount of bread Frank sold went up 2,000%.
3: The sale of sliced bread just grew exponentially and and the bakers were really knocking down his door wanting it and um, production and they just couldn't keep up with it um, and Richard tells of a story that his dad actually took them to the river and they stayed the night on the boat just so they could get some rest because they were literally knocking on, on their door at all hours of the night. <laughs>
1: Eventually, the machine was sold to other bakeries, and sliced bread became more widely available across the country. Uniformed sliced bread helped boost the sales of the dual-sided pop-up automatic toaster, which was first patented in 1921. Eventually, other companies started to make improvements on the slice bread machine. In 1930, Continental Baking Company, which was one of the first bakeries to produce fortified bread, introduced Wonder Bread, a manufactured pre-sliced loaf now widely available to the public. Within a little over a decade, sliced bread was a staple in American households, despite the financial woes of the Great Depression and threats of World War II. Pam Klingerman works at the Grand River Historical Society Museum in Chillicothe. And
0: you know in 1943, the government banned bread slicing machines?
1: I didn't know that. Why is that?
0: Um, Because of the war effort, because of the metal and everything. And I think it lasted about three months because all the housewives rose up
1: and raised all kinds of commotion. On January 18th, 1943, New regulations set by the Office of Price Administration banned bakeries from selling pre-sliced bread. It was an attempt to help keep prices low, and as Pam says, the decision was very unpopular. A woman named Sue Forrester sent a letter to the New York Times on behalf of the nation's housewives. I should let you know how important sliced bread is to the morale and saneness of a household, she wrote. Forrester complained of having to hand-cut over 30 slices of bread a day to feed her family. Instead, it was a waste of time, energy, and money. At the time, even a good bread knife was hard to find because of the war. According to a Mental Floss article written all about the whole incident, apparently the rule was so disliked that nobody in the government wanted to confess to having had the original idea. It didn't take long for the ban to be overturned. The New York Times reported this headline, "Slice bread put back on sale, housewives thumbs safe again. Sliced bread wasn't just a success, it was a revolution. Yet neither of the original men who made it possible got crazy rich off of it. Soon after their invention debuted in Chillicothe, increased competition within the baking industry and the Great Depression led to Frank Bench eventually losing his bakery. Otto sold his patent rights to the Micro West Co. company and joined their bakery machine division, which they named after him. And despite a diagnosis that only gave him a few years to live, Otto ended up surviving for decades longer. In 1936, Otto was profiled in Baker's Review for a feature called Who's Who in the Baking Industry. Rowetter, who they refer to just as Rowe, is described as a man with a love for merchandising, who could solve any problem, who was always willing to help. The writer even came up with a little slogan for Otto. Ask Rowe, he'll know. Otto Rowetter passed away in 1960 when he was 80 years old. Eventually, his daughter and his son, Richard, donated his second bread slicing machine to the Smithsonian in 1974.
3: You know, his father never got rich um, from it, which is sad. Um, But he did live long enough to see the world accept his, his invention.
1: For Catherine, getting to see this story take form before her eyes, getting to meet Richard Rowetter, be a part of the discovery process, and really dive into this iconic moment of innovation has been really cool. She realizes how a simple oversight could have changed this whole trajectory. She could have missed seeing that article from 1928, and none of this deeper path of discovery would have happened.
3: Microfilm's not the easiest thing to read and, and on tired eyes and you're you're scrolling through it would have been pretty easy to miss
1: a little one column headline it's any reporter's dream scenario getting to be the sleuth get to the bottom of something unknown that meaningful payoff of finding the truth but it didn't stop there ed douglas was one of the first ones he's like
3: is that really true I'm like yeah
1: <laughs> it is ed douglas aka sliced ed The Livingston County Commissioner also got to meet and connect with Richard Rowetter during that visit in 2003.
3: We put on a a big reception for him and and just a community reception. And it was really nice. And uh, and at that time, uh, Ed came up to me like, we need to do something with this. And so, you know, he was the power
1: horse behind, you know, getting something established.
2: We need to build on this.
1: It was Ed Douglas who saw the economic opportunity and how this claim to slice bread was something the town could really rally behind. He got to work.
2: I mean, this is something we can really build on. funny thing is that when we first started this 20 years ago, my own family said, Dad, you're you're embarrassing us. I mean, they just thought thought, this is silly. But interestingly enough, they don't say that anymore. It's become a big enough deal that they say, OK, you were right.
1: Town leaders were already working on a mural project related to historical events, so they added a mural with Chillicothe, the home of sliced bread, right on the main strip of town. They established a home of sliced bread nonprofit and acquired and renovated Frank Bench's Old Bakery, the place where it all first happened. And they turned it into a welcome center.
2: You know, we've got the loaf of bread on top and the historic marker, and we have, I mean, I can tell you all the things, the city's made it the official slogan and uh, we, have, we have a, a mural and uh, we have gift items and, uh, oh, you know, the sliced bread day where we have parades and, and, and all that stuff.
1: In 2018, the Missouri legislature passed a bill declaring July 7th, the first day sliced bread was made available to the public in 1928, as sliced bread day across the entire state. In Chillicothe, there's typically a parade, concerts. Bread baking competition and tons of other events, everything from golf tournaments, a 5K run, to a cornhole tournament. Thousands of people come to this rural town every year to attend the festivities. Pam Klingerman is from England originally, but she's been living in Chillicothe for 15 years. She's showing me how an early bread slicer works at the Grand River Historical Society Museum in Chillicothe. And so it's a reciprocating slicer. That's two
0: rows of blades that go up and down. And they don't tear the bread because fresh bread is very soft.
1: Bread slicer kind of put us on the map. She says the original original slicer from that first day in 1928 broke down after being used for six months. And it isn't around anymore. But soon after starting to work here, she got to be a part of acquiring one of the original Rowetter slicing machines. It took two years.
0: We would have probably killed a rainforest of trees if it hadn't been for email. And we had to jump through a lot of hoops. (laughs) We had to install a new security system.
1: Pam says they had to get some firemen from the town to help install the machine.
0: We were told originally that it weighed about 700 pounds, but it was actually over a (laughs) 1,000 because it's cast iron inside.
1: This particular Rowetter machine, which they got on loan from the Smithsonian, was used at a bakery in Davenport, Iowa in 1928. It was only supposed to stay in Chillicothe for a few years, but they just keep extending the loan. It can't do bread slicing demonstrations, but Pam has this other machine, the Oliver 777 Bread Slicer from 1936 that she uses for that.
0: So you have perfectly sliced, perfect, the big hole in the middle.
1: <laughs> she says the display of slicers has been an amazing tool for people to really engage with that moment in time and wrap their head around the concept of what this innovation meant.
0: About three or four years ago, I had a lady come to the museum. She was 106. She said when I was a little girl, she said sliced bread was something that was just barely even thought about. And she said our local store had a bread slicing machine. She said my mother made us get dressed up, hats, gloves, purses, everything, even though she was just little. And they went to watch this marvel, the whole town showed up. And she said, it was pretty amazing. And she said, my dad looked at my mother and said, huh, that'll never catch on. And she said, the next year my
1: mother was buying bread that was sliced from the bakery. Ed Douglas, sliced Ed, has been the lead promoter of this brag that Chillicothe is the home of sliced bread. But it isn't just about boosting up his town. There's something deeper here.
2: Everyone knows the saying, the greatest thing since sliced bread. They don't say that's the greatest thing since the iPhone or anything else or anything else. They say it's the greatest thing. So it really is the standard of all innovation, past, present and future. And that's really what's made this country great. It's about entrepreneurship and and, uh, and, and, and ideas and, and so that's what sliced bread's about.
1: Maybe we all need to lean into that sliced bread spirit. That place within ourselves where seemingly impossible ideas and risks can be explored. Newness can be celebrated. You never know which of those ideas will become the stuff of legend. Find your sliced bread. What's your favorite type of bread?
0: (laughs) I'd have to say white bread. (laughs) My mother could slice bread so thin you could see through it, you know?
3: If I had my choice, it would be homemade. It's in
0: England. It's called a cottage loaf. It's a big round loaf, and then it has a smaller one on the top.
2: (laughs) Well, my favorite bread. Uh, You know, we have bread baking contests, and sometimes I've been a judge for that. Uh, You know, I've got a sweet tooth, so sweet breads are my favorite.
1: I personally hate answering favorites questions, but I love to ask them. For me, sourdough, pumpernickel, rye. When it comes to bread, I don't discriminate. Lightly toasted, with a little butter on top, and sliced just right. A People's History of Kansas City is a production from KCUR Studios. This episode was reported, produced, and mixed by me, Suzanne Hogan, with editing by Barb Shelley and Gabe Rosenberg. Our team includes Mackenzie Martin, and our interns are Hannah Bailey and Paris Nervell. Music this episode from Blue Dot Sessions, and you can get in touch with us at kcur.org slash People's History for more stories about the people who have made this region a more interesting place to be. And we're on Twitter at PHKCPod. I'm Suzanne Hogan. Take care, and thanks for listening.